Hi everyone, this is Heather Hansen, and today we'll be mapping self-advocacy on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's episode mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Heather Hansen. Heather Hansen gives her clients the tools to advocate for themselves and their ideas. She has been a trial attorney for over 20 years and was consistently named one of the top 50 female attorneys in Pennsylvania. Heather uses her psychology degree and her years in the courtroom to help her clients know their worth and advocate for it. She's also an anchor at the Law and Crime Network and has appeared on NBC, Fox News Channel, CNN, MSNBC, CBS, and Sirius Radio. Heather has helped thousands of keynote audience members in Kuwait, Ireland, Mexico, and across the U.S. become their own best advocates. Heather is the author of the bestseller, The Elegant Warrior, How to Win Life's Trials Without Losing Yourself, which Publishers Weekly calls a template to achieving personal and career goals. And she's the host of The Elegant Warrior podcast. Also, Heather's next book is now available. It's called Advocate to Win, 10 Tools to Ask for What You Want and Get It Now. Heather, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm so excited about this conversation. I have been looking forward to this for a long time. I'm excited as well, Andrea. You know, I'm thrilled to switch things up a little bit, get out of the weeds of the biochemistry, which we can all get stuck in, and talk about something that actually influences those weeds, and that's self-advocacy. I definitely want to talk into how we advocate for ourselves as patients and how we as clinicians help our clients or patients advocate for themselves. But Heather, can we just start out with your definition or concept around self-advocacy, what it is and what it does for us? I'm so glad that you asked that because I've been working with a lot of practitioners and I think that in the medical world, most of the people I'm talking to tend to think of advocacy as lobbying, like Mm. reaching out to legislatures or local governments. And that might be one definition, but it's not my definition, nor is it the definition in the dictionary. The definition that I'm talking about is to publicly support something. Mm. So anytime that you recommend a restaurant or tell someone they have to watch a TV show, you're advocating. And my hope is to help practitioners advocate for their treatment plans, their patients, and themselves, and to help patients advocate for themselves, their health, and their practitioners. Mm -hmm. And if that all happens, then the team 
works so much more effectively and efficiently and with so much more compassion. I love that. I mean, we were just chatting before we went live about how much work it is to actually advocate for yourself. And I learned this with my husband's illness actually really quickly when he was prior to being diagnosed with the brain tumor, when they weren't sure what it was, I noticed really quickly how I could get the most information out of the doctors. Mm -hmm. And that was suppressing emotion when I spoke to them, but that was the way I was going to get what I needed to support him the most. And it's a really interesting dance we have to do. Yeah. And I think, I hope that's changing. You know, I'm working with a lot of practitioners to talk to them about how that impression that, that the patient should have to suppress emotion in order to get information is not a great one. But yes, you're right. I think that a lot of, you know, in my in my most recent book, I talk a lot about presentation and reception, and that's body language, tone of voice, and facial expressions. And when you can modulate those a little bit, you are more likely to get the information that you need. And when you can ask questions in the way you know, I talk about the people that you're advocating to as your jury. So as a patient, your jury is in many ways your healthcare providers and you want to know them well. You want to see things from their perspective so that you can sort of get what you want. And so to understand that doctors are often in a rush, overwhelmed yes. and want to get to the bottom line quickly, then you can speak to them in that type of language and then get the information you need more easily. Yeah. And I love how you brought up the jury because you talk about the inner jury and the outer jury. Can we look at those areas a little bit more? Yes. So it always begins with the inner jury. And Andrea, when I talk about this, especially with my female clients, they think their inner jury is the critical voice in their head. And that is not it. Your jury, any jury, the jury in the courtroom, any jury, their job is to listen and to choose between stories. And so your inner jury is the part of you that's listening to that negative voice in your head, but also hopefully to a positive voice in your head and then choosing which voice to believe. And so when it comes to your health, you want to make sure that you are giving your inner jury the option to believe a better choice, that you can be healthy, that you can make a difference, that you can take steps in the right direction, that it's not always going to be this way. And your inner jury is constantly choosing and those choices are making up your life. And then your outer jury is anyone outside of you that you want to influence and persuade. So it could be influencing your child to eat their vegetables. That might be your jury of the day. Right now, our outer jury is your listeners. You know, we're influencing them, hopefully not to turn off this podcast. And right. so everyone has an inner and an outer jury. And the better that you know them, the better you can create a message that will speak to them. I really want to kind of double click on this inner jury, especially for our listeners who are my students who uh, span different kinds of fields in healthcare. So they may be coming to it new without a licensure. They may be a health coach. And oftentimes the inner jury or the story, as you posted, is one where they're telling themselves they can't be an advocate because nobody's going to believe them. They don't have the background that somebody else has. And they come into the situation in that way, which I think impacts the outer jury. So they're either trying yes. to convince that they're right and that they know better. They're coming from a, I don't know how to communicate realm. And they're putting themselves in opposition to the people we actually want to be our partners. And yeah. um, like I said, I think I learned that early on before I was a practitioner really quickly. But how do we talk about that inner jury, not for just ourselves as, as patients, 
patients, which we all are, but also ourselves as what I'm going to call adjunct practitioners who absolutely have a place in the healthcare field. You could not be more right about the importance of persuading your inner jury first. I always say you can't advocate until you believe. Mm. In the courtroom, a jury doesn't buy my story if I don't believe my client's story. So I'll often admit to things rather than try to tell a story I don't believe. And so the important things is to help your inner jury believe that you have the right and the experience and the talents and the smarts to be doing what it is you're doing. And in my book, I talk about some of the tools of an advocate and we use those tools with our inner jury. So there are things like evidence, Andrea. One of the things I have my one-on-one coaching clients do is keep an evidence journal where every day they write down evidence of their strengths, their talents, Mm. their experience, the things that make them qualified to do what they're doing so that they can look back at that. And their inner jury now has a choice. Another tool of an advocate is words. The words you use when you speak to yourself have an enormous impact on whether or not you believe. And then credibility, of course, is probably the most important one when it comes to this topic. And that is, you know, you want to believe yourself when you make yourself a promise, you keep it. And when you set yourself an expectation, you meet it and also believe in yourself. And that means collecting the evidence and seeing where you have skills. It might even be transferable skills. You know, if some of the audience is coming to health coaching or health provision from a different field, sometimes you feel like, well, I don't have the experience. And I would, I would challenge you on that. Yep. You know, as a mother, If any, I'm not a mother, but I coach a lot of mothers. And as a mother, you're a health coach, (laughs) you know, and a survivor, like personal experience. I mean, that's, that's really like what you're speaking to. And I love this, the evidence, the words and the credibility. One of the reasons I love tracking in healthcare so much is for that evidence. Like Mm. it's a huge way we're collecting evidence. And I know, again, this is going back 20 years, but this is really where I was indoctrinated into healthcare with my husband's care. I showed up with a notebook of what was happening every day and every every minute like when his eyes twitched or when whether he was constipated that day or that week and that made me credible because i had the evidence that yes. the doctor in the room didn't have but i think we think that it has to be different evidence and we need to find credibility with some letters after our name or something that is different than that actual evidence that you're talking about which is personal evidence It's everything is evidence, right? And a lot of it is how you take that evidence and you use it. So your example with your husband is a perfect one. You know, being able to collect that evidence and present it to the practitioner and then the way in which you present it, of course. You know, one of the things that I encourage people to do in that situation is, if possible, give it to them ahead of time. You know, being cognizant of their time constraints, but it's all in the presentation of the evidence, the use of the evidence, how you ask questions. And all of these things apply first to your inner jury. So ask Mm -hmm. yourself these questions, ask yourself, where am I strong? Where do I have skills that no one else has? Where has my experience given me the credibility I need to be able to do this better than anyone else can? And when you start to ask yourself, you know, what you focus on grows. And when you start to ask yourself these questions, the answers will come to you over the course of a day, week, or a month. Yeah, it's amazing what you're saying. And the students and I've trained, you know, nearly 5,000 students in over 65 countries, the ones who can embrace that uh, that difference and that inner jury and really collect that evidence, find the words, which oftentimes I'm giving them, 
they are the ones who succeed and it really doesn't matter what background they're coming mm. from, whether it's a field in medical research or it's a licensed practitioner who's changing their career or it's a health coach or that mom who helped their child overcome challenges that then wants to help others. Like it's tremendous what we can do when we really address that inner jury. When we switch from the clinician to the patient, just for all of us helping patients to address their inner jury, one of the things we see, especially with women and especially with people who have chronic conditions, is that they've been gaslit by mm. the medical industry. So the inner jury is a bit defensive and angry and confused. How do we help patients address all of those injustices that they have suffered? Yeah, I mean, I think that the inner jury is is objective. It's a mm. voice in their head that is angry and confused and frustrated and telling the story. And it's a and it's a very well documented story, right? There's evidence for that story. There's evidence for the story that I, you know, I, it's all in my head, and the doctors say it's nothing, and I'm never going to find a solution. I mean, there's evidence for that. Yes, and so part of the provider's role is to give that patient's inner jury a different voice and to, yes. you know, a belief is just a thought that you repeat and back up with evidence. Mm. So give them the thought that things can be different and then give them evidence to support that thought. And you've got to repeat it and you've got to help them repeat it, whether it's with affirmations or documentation or giving them references to read. But the more that you do that, the more the inner jury can choose the voice that serves them, which is the voice that you are providing. Yeah, I love that so much. And that's, again, where that evidence or that tracking or finding the words can really add to the credibility of the experience of the patient. So let's shift focus now to that outer jury. That can seem daunting for those who, well, I guess when we have the inner jury, it's is it easier oh, to confront the outer jury? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, once you believe advocating can become fun, right? Yes. So once you believe that you are the best person for this patient, that you have everything that you need to help this patient, then persuading the patient is easy. And once you believe that your prescription or your treatment plan is a good one and a healthy one and one that is likely to move the ball forward, the easier it's going to be to advocate for it to the patient or to the caregiver or to another provider. And so, I mean, is it work? Yes. You have to work on body language and tone of voice yes. and facial expressions and all of those things and asking questions. And, you know, there's all kinds of tools, but it truly becomes fun once you believe. And so that's why I focus so strongly on the inner jury because it's downhill, it's smooth sailing from there. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think about, well, there's two words that come to mind that I really play with when I'm working with other healthcare providers. Again, navigating a situation with my husband way back when, or my mom right now, or other doctors that I'm speaking to with a client of ours is to make sure that we honor their prestige and yeah. we show up with respect first and foremost. I think that this is where I see in the letters that I review for some of our students when they're communicating with doctors or asking for something where they often miss the boat because they're working that inner game and saying, I know better. I know yeah. we should be looking at X, Y, Z, but they're not approaching it with the respect. And immediately that other provider goes on the defense. 
It's such a great point. I, I've said in both of my books that as a defense attorney, I have to cross-examine patients, right? Mm. And one of my rules from the beginning of my career was I might have to take their story, but I will never take their dignity. And so, mm. and you know, cross-examination can be confrontational, but I think that it's really important. I like the word that you use prestige. For me, that's the equivalent of dignity, that you recognize that this person has their reasons for what they're doing. And to be, I think that I often tell people to trade their defensiveness for curiosity. Mm, and I, I think sometimes, oh, I, it's so powerful when you can do it, right? If you are if you put down your defenses and you just get curious, why do they feel this way? Why are they so defensive? Why are they so attached to this treatment plan or this story? And when you get the answers to some of those questions, it helps you to advocate and it helps you yeah. to win. So yeah. I think that if you can become more curious, it's much easier to respect the prestige and dignity of the other. Mm. I have two final questions for you, but I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> so one question is about where this falls in sort of a social justice lens that's mm-hmm. really taking my attention more and more these days, yep. who is left behind by yep. our current healthcare system for myriad reasons, whether it's gender affirmation care or people who don't have the insurance model or women in general, especially women with chronic conditions. Where does this type of advocacy work and self-advocacy fall in those realms? It's a huge question. I actually, I, I mentioned before we hit play that record that I am working with some medical providers to create some training. And right now I'm doing a course on implicit bias mm-hmm. because when we, you know, we all have it. There's a, yes. a fabulous test at Harvard, the IAT, the implicit association test that kind of shows us where we have them, but we all have them. And so when we become strong advocates, we can, first of all, start to see it in others and advocate for the people who need our help in those situations. But also if we can become more curious, we can start to see, which is one of the five C's of an advocate, curiosity. We can start to see where we have the biases and then be compassionate with ourselves for having them and to start using these tools to advocate when the moment is right that we're in the position to do so and to allow others to advocate for us and with us and to us when we are the ones who might have some of those biases that we may or may not recognize. Right. Biases and privileges. And yeah. we can be allies. You mentioned the five C's. Now I have to insert <sighs> another question and ask you what the five C's are. Yes, they are connection, compassion, creativity, curiosity, and credibility. Mm, and I love think, it. and I think to your point, you know, we talk a lot about being allies and I think that it's time for us to step beyond being allies and start mm-hmm. being advocates and mm-hmm. allies stands Beautiful. beside, but an advocate stands before and, and will speak up for the people that need our help. And so it's a little oh bit gosh. more active. Yes. Brilliant. Is there anything, I know there's a lot and you're training practitioners, but anything that you were really hoping we would get into today that we didn't cover, Heather? No, I think, well, I mean, this is something I'm actually yes. writing something about. I mean, there's so much I could say and there's so much that we got into and I know that that we need to keep it within the time. But I will say that I think my hope is that we can encourage patients to be compassionate with their providers Mm. At the same time as we're encouraging providers to be compassionate with their patients. You know, we know that compassion that reduces too. pain. 
And so that's one of the many reasons that I think we don't talk about that enough. And when I talk to practitioners, they're often reluctant to talk about that because that's not how they're trained. But I think if we can start talking in those terms, it would be good for the entire team. Mm, So brilliant, Heather. Thank you so much for sharing your work with the world and with us today. I look forward to diving more deeply into your trainings and your books. Thank you so much for the work that you do and the people that you teach that can go on and continue to do that work. I'm so grateful you had me on. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 